We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Dude, after last week and watching that, what, comedy of errors that occurred late down the stretch and the Broncos losing 18 to 17 to the Arizona Cardinals, like I understand why people are kind of freaking out a little bit, but I want to just stress mostly stress it's the first preseason game guys calm down a little bit how are you doing today i'm doing good i mean got a nice little nap in before you know we go on live and everything so that's nice i feel refreshed and on our point i mean it's still preseason like denver went two and one last year in the preseason look at all the crap show that we got during the regular season what matters to me was that was it all perfect for the first and second unit? No, but they won ten to nothing. Like yeah. in the in the end, they they beat the Cardinals first and second unit ten to nothing. It wasn't until they started going to third and fourth string where the Cardinals started to score. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, some second string guys were still out there because of you know issues with depth and everything, but for the most part, yeah. For me, as I said last week, preseason games it's not about winning or losing. It's how you, it's about what you're seeing from the players. And there were, despite all the issues, there were some positive stuff, especially from those first and second unit guys, the guys who are going to be seeing the majority of the action barring injury come regular season. Yeah, and going to see the majority of the action in the first couple of quarters, apparently, from what Sean Payton said in his press conference uh, the other day. We're going to see, you know, probably 20 to 25 snaps from the first string guys, you know, so you're going to see, we saw 20 snaps from the first stringers last week against the Cardinals. You're going to get at least that much action. And they played into the second quarter last week. So you're going to see that probably closer towards halftime and get a better look at what this first team offense is looking like. And to piggyback just quickly before we get to Troy here, not only did the Broncos win 10, nothing, they missed two field goals in that span as well. They had another third one blocked in that game. That's nine points on the board. If you tally all that together, that's an eight-point victory for the Broncos last week. So just kind of pump the brakes, guys. Let's just have a little bit of fun. Enjoy what we're seeing here. Troy jumping in here off the top rope right before we went live here. 
$10 super chat. Hey guys, we'll listen later. Hope to see Russell Wilson in sync with the receivers and have sufficient time to be in rhythm. And Troy, I am with you. Thank you for your support as always. I'm definitely with you on this one. Sufficient time to throw and be in rhythm was something I pointed out last week when we were first talking and breaking down the game. When he hit his top foot, the, the top of his drop, put his back foot in the ground, and even if he had to step up just a little bit when he was in rhythm and throwing the football, I thought Russell Wilson looked pretty good. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, the big issue was is that he was pressured almost every single time he was dropping back. Now, 64%. and it, it's it's hard it's hard to be consistent when you're getting constantly pressured. On the flip side, though, is the few times that he wasn't, it wasn't all clean and crisp. Um, the first play of it, I mean, his, his placement was way behind the tight end. Not great. One of the times he ended up getting, I think he got sacked or got hit as he threw when he hit the top of his drop, he had an open receiver and he just decided to look off it. And then the pressure came. So we're still seeing some of those issues, but overall it was a good enough showing from Russell Wilson for me. And this week in practice, all the, there's been so much praise coming out about how he has looked about how the offensive line has looked. Yeah. I'm hoping to see better. I'm really curious about this offensive line, though, because the San Francisco 49ers front seven, one of the toughest there are in the NFL. Like, yeah. And they're going to be playing a lot of the starters for a while. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I doubt we're going to see Nick Bosa, who I believe is still kind of holding out a little bit for a, for a new contract. But they got guys like Eric Armstead. They, they went out and got Javon Hargrave from the Philadelphia Eagles to come in and step in. Sounds like they're going to play at least a, a little bit of time up front. So going to be an interesting conversation after the fact on what this Broncos offensive line looks like. We got another super chat in here as well as Jasmine jumps in here with $20 off the top rope. Thank you, Jasmine, for that. We appreciate your support. Uh, new name here, new name, new profile pick. We appreciate that for you jumping in here on a wonderful Friday evening saying ready for a great show, guys. And so are we. We've got a fun one here for you tonight, guys. We're going to be talking about players that I want to see more out of. I want to see more reps. I want to see more success from a couple of players. And then Eric's going to come in and talk about some players that he thinks are going to have that success specifically. Uh, but before we get into that, guys, uh, we got to give a shout out to everybody in the chat that's joined us. 50 sets of eyes on us right now. Uh, Keith Brugman jumping in as he usually does. Peter Middleton all the way over, uh, typically from Cambodia. I'm not sure where Peter's where Peter's at right now. Um, Good to see Peter as well. Uh, Northcut Productions saying Alaska in the building. First things first, new name here, but also representing Alaska. Biggest shout out here to my colleague, Eric Trickle. Uh, David Youngkin, William Catalongo, uh, Don Le uh, Don Lenhart, I believe is how you pronounce that last name. New name here as well. Uh, thank you for joining us. We got Kevin Gray in the house as well. Uh, Dylan Von Ars back behind the scenes helping run the chat moderation as well. Thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful Friday evening for Dove Valley. So Peter's, Peter comes in and says, he's in Singapore now. This dude's all over the globe, all over the place. And thank you, Peter, again for joining us. And Anyways. real quick, I want to grab I want to grab Keith's comment here. I said, Trotman may have similar numbers to Dulcich a few months ago. It's looking like I may be right. It is. I when I went and watched Adam Trotman, I wasn't expecting this. Um, one thing I'll say, he's he's looking a lot slimmer. Like when he was in New Orleans, he was playing over 260. He looks like he's slimmed down a little bit, which is helping him a little, um, helping him quite a bit. Um, I completely undersold myself on him, and uh, yeah, he seems there's a reason why he's tight end one. We saw it with the blocking ability that he's showing, mm -hmm. and he's decent enough receiver to still be effective. Still expecting a lot out of Greg Dulcich, but 
Adam Trotman, I definitely undersold his uh, impact on this offense. Yeah, I'll, I'll accept your signed, sealed, and delivered apology in the mail here anytime, buddy, because uh, I was the one that actually said, you know, Adam Troutman might actually lead this team in snaps. And then we both went back and forth. Like, you know what? We, yeah, I still don't think he will, but. I, I think it's actually more of a possibility now. I, I really do because based on what we saw in it with first off with the, with the depth chart, the first depth, the first depth chart was a big indication of that, but then also seeing Troutman out there as much as we did, he got a handful of more snaps. It was like three or four no, more snaps. They played 15 snaps each. Okay. I, I thought, I thought uh, that uh, Dulcich only had 12. So I, I do apologize <laughs> for that, but, but, Troutman was the one that they really targeted in the passing game. He got three three targets. Uh, I believe Dulcich got two, caught one pass. Uh, Troutman caught two passes. Had that one really nice tight end screen on the backside that he took for, what, 15 yards or something like that. So it, it's still up for debate. Eric, you and I have gone back and forth on that several different times now. But you know what? Maybe let's get into that really fast because I know that <laughs> we're, I know a couple of the players that you were talking about that you expect to see a big showing against the San Francisco 49ers defense. And I'm going to spoil it right now. Greg Dulcich is your guy. Why is that going against the San Francisco's team here on Saturday? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So from what I was able to search on Twitter, they're not expecting Fred Warner to play um, tomorrow night. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. And I think that with what Greg Dulcich brings and what he was showing this week, this week in practice, he was having a really great week, stretching the seam, stretch, um, stressing linebackers in coverage. So he's going to, he's most likely not to play from what I'm seeing from, you know, guys on Twitter about, that cover the 49ers Dre Greenlaw he's also expected out and I'm not overly sold on the depth linebackers the 49ers have so I think Greg Dulcich can really take advantage of them especially with how they play their safeties I think he can come in and have a good chance to work that intermediate and deep portion of the field well Adam Trotman can work the underneath stuff a little bit Adam Trotman he did get two catches but he averaged nine yards a catch which isn't bad by no means is that but there were shorter catches that he was then able to go and take yeah. for extra yardage. So it was kind of that safety net tight end tight end role 
that he was we were seeing in Arizona. And I, from what I gathered, is that they want more out of Dulcich of being the weapon at the tight end position. So with the matchups that they have with the 49ers have, despite how good their defense is, I think this is a game where Greg Dulcich can get open. And don't take the fact that Greg Dulcich got no targets as the Cardinals as a bad sign. He was getting open. In fact, the one play I talked about where at the top of his drop, Russell Wilson looked off a receiver and threw it deep. Greg Dulcich was open underneath for a huge gain, and he just I, didn't rip that ball. I, I know exactly what play you're talking about. That was the play that Cortland Sutton appeared to. I'm not going to say that he quit on the route, but it was a deep shot. I, I believe the Cardinals brought pressure, and Cortland Sutton was supposed to be running either a, a deep go or a deep post, and he kind of broke that route off. And without knowing the design, what the, what the order of operations is within reading that particular play. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause Russell Wilson released that ball deep. It was almost intercepted, but Greg Dulcich came over on a crossing route and there wasn't a Cardinals defender within five yards of him in, in any direction. He was absolutely wide open. So going back to our Russell Wilson conversation, when we opened the show, that's something you've got to look at when you are seeing him continuously missing some of these open receivers over the middle of the field. But let's dive back into Russell Wilson a little bit here. Is that his game throwing the deep crossing route or the intermediate crossing route? Probably not. He likes to work the deep, like deep shots and outside of the numbers. He likes to throw the ball outside for whatever reason, whether it's be because he's too short or doesn't just doesn't like to do that whatever it doesn't matter that's going down a different rabbit hole regardless uh I, i'm a, i'm in agreement with you on this one michael ronquillo jumping in here good evening lance and eric on the dove valley deep divers go broncos and buckham and thank you michael for joining us again it's good to see your face in the chat uh we definitely appreciate you and your support as we always get every single week here on dove valley deep divers and then we got glp gary palmer jumping in here saying with the ten dollar super chat so thank you for that gary hi lance eric dylan and scott go broncos and buckham scott's with us tonight running the chat uh, so thank you, Scott, for joining us. We definitely appreciate that. Give you a shout out on the ones and twos as well. Um, so for me, let's continue to stick on the offensive side of the football hill. And I, I want to see a lot out of Greg Dulcich, but let's piggyback on the tight end conversation here. Because when you go back and look at that original depth chart for this Broncos team, tight end five was Albert Okawebanon. And he got a lot of run late in the fourth quarter, didn't really see a lot of action, but for the most part, he was out there for the majority of the time. I've heard a lot of really good things out of Albert Okuwebe, and I'm coming out of practice this last couple of weeks, including a, a couple of days ago. He had a big crackback block, was really showing some effort as a blocker. This, to me, is a good sign for him. If you're going to shout out Greg Dulcich, I think that this is a big opportunity for, for Albert O to really kind of showcase that ability, stretching the seam vertically, maybe offering up a little bit of trade value because – when you're listed as tight end five, it doesn't matter if you're going to go out there and have these splash plays. you got to show it consistently. And if you can do that against the 49ers, where the Broncos are kind of invested in Adam Troutman, obviously, as tight end one. Greg Dulcich, tight end two. They went out and got Chris Manhurts in here as well. This is a big showing opportunity for Albert Okuebenom, and I hope he's able to step up to task. Yeah, I mean, this is a good opportunity for him. I mean, he's he can bring – he's not the athletic athlete that uh, uh, Greg Dulcich is. But he can still stretch the seam, and he can create mismatches against linebackers and safeties because of his size and speed combination. Mm -hmm. um, one thing, though, is that during practice, he went against a lot of third and fourth string guys, so to add some context there for those days. But I do think that this is a matchup, just like with Greg Dulcich, where he can go out there and he can do well. It is a favorable matchup for him for the same reasons why it's a favorable matchup for Greg Dulcich. Yes. 
Um, hopefully he can, because at the very least, he's in, he's increasing his trade value a little bit. I still have a hard time seeing him go out there and absolutely blow it away to where he makes the roster. He's still very clearly the fifth guy behind it, with Nate Atkins being the fourth. Um, so we got to see something. I mean, got to see changes there. It's possible. I just think it's unlikely. But Alberto Quibanam, him going out there and having a good game, increasing his potential trade value would be huge for the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely correct. And I know that, Eric, you and I kind of talked about this uh, shortly after the draft. I know the Broncos kind of had a trade in place with an, with another team. I don't want to get into the specifics of that. But it was a Alberto and a six for like three-sevenths or something like that. I don't really remember the full specific, specifics of that. But there are teams that are interested in his services. And if they can, if the Broncos can figure out a way to at least get something back for him and highlighting him in this game and maybe even in preseason game three against the Rams will do a, a, a great deal of service for the Broncos to be able to gain something back for him. I want to go here. We got our guy, Phil McLaughlin junk, jumping in here over on Facebook saying, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. Really impressed with Jaquan McMillan and Nick Benito. Also, is a guy in Debuisi going to make the team? Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life. And I'm going to piggyback this conversation. Let's flip to the defensive side of the football here a little bit. With the San Francisco 49ers, I'm not sure exactly who's going to play on the uh, the Broncos defense, what, sp speaking directly to Pat Sertan here, but also against the 49ers offense. Are we going to see Debo Samuel? Are we going to see a guy like Brandon Ayuk, who apparently is just tearing up 49ers camp over the last couple of weeks? Jaquan McMillan, man, he had a fantastic game. I believe he played 50 snaps last week, uh, played on, on defense and on special teams as well, had a sack, had a quarterback hurry, had a tip pass as well, multiple different tackles. This is a guy that I want to see a lot coming out of, and I think that quite honestly he could be a guy to shine against this 49ers offense. What do you think, Eric? Jaquan McMillan has impressed me going back to last year's preseason, and when he's got the start opposite, um, what was it, Patrick Sertan, Patrick Sertan in the season finale? Because Damari Mathis was out, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. He was really impressive for me in that game as well. Um, jumping from, what, East Carolina all the way to the NFL without no experience, going against guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and doing well. He impressed me a lot last game. He did only play 34 snaps, um, okay. played a lot. He got the start on the outside, on the boundary, and then he moved inside a nickel. And working at the nickel, he was tough as a run defender. He got that sack. Um, he did allow a couple more pressures when working as a nick or a couple more catches when working as a, as a nickel than on the boundary. But having that versatility, like when you talk about roster building, having a guy that you can trust to play on the boundary and inside in the slot instead of a pure slot receiver, like another corner that I won't name, um, <laughs> it, it, may, it creates a lot more value for the player. So I'm a big fan of McMillan. I have been even going back to before he was drafted. Um, he was a guy that when the Bronco, when he was signed by the Broncos, I didn't think he had a chance to make the roster last year, but I thought this year he had a good chance of it if he could just sit there and grow and develop a little bit. So I've come, I've been really impressed with him, and a lot of people that I've spoken, I've spoken with also are very impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to the other player that Phil was talking about here, and, and Nick Benito. And I thought that he was flashy specifically against the, the Arizona Cardinals. He looked extremely bursty off the offensive line. He did show some pass rush moves. He showed a little bit better in the running game, although I still have some questions there. What do you think about Benito's chances going against this uh, this San Francisco offensive line featuring Colton McKivick's that's probably going to be out there as a starter for this uh, at right tackle for this team on Saturday? 
yeah, McKivitz is the is the projected starter for them. And I think that Nick Benito has an extremely favorable matchup here, even as a run defender. Um, the quickness and explosion that Nick Benito works with directly attacks the weaknesses of Colton McKivitz. Um, now he's got to go out there and take advantage of it, of course. But Nick Benito, I've been very impressed with. Last week, um, I came away. So all the praise was about the edges and everything against the tackle, against the offensive line during during camp. Mm-hmm. But last week, I came away tempered with that after seeing how bad the offensive line was for the Broncos. Um, now, Nick Benito, he's a guy who he still had um, some good quick. He has he still showed ex- explosiveness. He, he's thicker, and you can see it. I wanted to see more as a run defender. There was only one play that really stood out, and he just kind of jackknifed through and cut inside and didn't really you know, hold the edge or anything. He just exploded through the gap and made a play. Nothing wrong with that. Still want to see a little bit more out of him as a run defender before I'm fully confident in his ability to be a full-time edge instead of just a pass rush specialist. Yeah, absolutely. Here we got uh, Scott jumping in our private chat here. Um, a uh, a, don- a $5 donation from Lawrence Rivera talking about going and shooting clays with his son. Uh, said, what's up, guys? Good day shooting clays with my son. Like the whole experience. Can't wait till he's old enough to shoot. Uh, it's it, it's fun to go out and do something like that. Um um, oh, I missed the second message of, of that, so I'm not going to go any any more into that. But uh, uh, I'm glad you had a good day with your son. Um, hopefully, you guys can keep go- going and doing that, and just continue to be out outside and uh, have fun with that. Here, while Lance tries to figure out what's going on with the sound, a couple comments here. Keith Brugman comes in asking, t- saying Taylor Grimes, Macho Washington, Kendall Hinton, who makes the 53, and who do you want to see make the 53? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um... I want to. I got to see more from all of them before I'm saying any of them make it. Uh, I know Montreal Washington. He looked improved as a punt returner. There's still one punt return that absolutely irks me because of pure luck on his part. Um, Taylor Grimes again. He looked good out there, but he was one of the final receivers to see the field. Want to see more against him going against the bigger guys and Kendall Hinton. He looked pretty solid. Um, I mean, and reliable overall. But there's still so many other receivers on this roster, and such a tough fight after you get through the top three. Uh, Brandon Johnson's still around. You got um, uh, little Jordan Humphrey and Marquez Calloway. They're also fighting for a spot. So I'm not sure who of those three makes it, if any of them do. Um, if I had to, if I had to pick one of them, Kendall Hinton would be the guy that I would go to over the others. Uh, Lance, is your sound working now? Yeah, it sounds like it was more of an no, issue it is on not. your. It, I, I, um, my... So going on with seeing what's here is uh, Mark coming in. Do you guys believe Bowles is cuttable if he sucks tomorrow? Uh, no. Basically, the the issue is it, that while it can save them money and everything, it's like maybe you, you still hope that you can get something out of him and somewhat be worth the money. The other guys, I mean, they're not overtaking him in the starting lineup, so... Like, it's got to be a bit of a progress there. Cameron Fleming wasn't any better. Isaiah Prince was just slightly better, but not great either. 
I'm just not sure who you would start if Bowles is gone. Uh, Lawrence Rivera says, um, I like that we're still looking for better running backs. Peyton's not satisfied with running backs, I guess. Thank you, Lawrence, for the donation. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, looking for running backs. Part of the reason why they went and got um, Washington is his name, if I remember right, um, is because of the injury to Tyler Beatty. Beatty's been dealing with an injury. I have not been able to – I have not seen what is wrong with him, what he has hurt so far. Um, but today I wasn't on Twitter, so I wasn't sure if it was announced today at all. Um, but he's a guy that I was, I thought was, you know, looked good last game. He didn't have the big sets like Jaleel McLaughlin did, but he's quick and was able to, you know, pick up some yards quickly. Uh, Stu McPeak jumping in here with a $20 super chat. Hi, all. Looking forward to the game tomorrow. Any thoughts on how much the starters will play? So we talked about this just a little bit ago. We have um, Sean Payton, who came up to the podium, I believe it was on Thursday, saying that the, uh, the starters are going to probably play about 20 to 25 snaps. So that's based on what we saw against the Cardinals last week, the, the starters played 20 snaps exactly. So that's, that was about a, the first quarter through about the first half of the second quarter. Sounds like that's a, the expected workload for what this uh, Broncos offense is going to be looking at, at least against this game against the San Francisco 49ers. For me, though, the bigger question that I have, and hopefully we have Eric here, and if you got if you can hear me, Eric, let me know. But uh, the bigger thing here that I'm looking forward to, especially with the starters, is Javante Williams is expected to play. And Sean Payton actually went out there and said, in an ideal world, he'll get – what, 12 to 13 snaps, probably three to four carries running the football and maybe a catch. Like that's the ideal scenario for him in this game against the San Francisco 49ers. And Eric, I'm going to pass this on to you here. What do you think? Like, I, I'm going to change my Twitter name. I, I, my handle, I can't change just so I can continue to keep my following and, and everything like that. I will change my Twitter name though. It's going to say Javante Williams fan underscore one as my Twitter, uh, as my name on Twitter, not my Twitter handle, but that's going to happen. Eric, this is a revelation. Like we've talked about it multiple times over the last couple of weeks now. Javante Williams expected to play not only in the in week one of the regular season, but take snaps and carries against the 49ers this week. Is this ideal for you, or what is your opinion on this? Uh, it's tough because the injury had the odds of him coming back and being like he was beforehand are very slim. A lot of damage to his knee, multiple tears. Um, it's a miraculous recovery. Part of me worries if he's not being rushed back out there a little early. Um, obviously, I'm not a doctor. I'm not doing anything medical with him, so I have no idea to see how good it's healed. If the doctors are saying it's okay, all right. But it's not like doctors, especially you know the team, the medical staff for the Broncos, haven't rushed a player out there before he's ready. Um, so it can be it's a bit of a concern. We'll see how he looks out there. Um, it's nice to get him a little bit of experience to get him out there too, uh, just to shake some of the rust off, rust off because it's been a long time since he's played. Well, and, and to actually go out there and have full contact because being out there in practice and, and going up where like we pad up and we don't actually go to the ground, going out there and get a, getting a guy that's going to try to go down, down low and really tackle you and take you to the ground and the big thing that i'm curious on is if they do try to get javante williams out in the flat and throw him the football where this is something that uh that alfred williams said on koa i believe it is is who it said uh who had said this you know when he's out in space you don't know where that hit's coming from 
You don't know where if you got a linebacker coming back underneath to undercut you. You don't know if you have a, a, a cornerback playing to the outside shoulder. You don't know where your contact's going to come from. That to me is a bigger thing. If you're taking a carry, you know straight up I'm running into this pile. I not really running into this pile directly, but you know contact's coming from all around me at all times. I know I'm going to get hit. I know I'm going to have to take this this battering and bruising. If you're out in, in uh, out on the route and your eyes are up looking to catch the, the football, you're not expecting somebody to come underneath and take your legs out from from underneath you, or coming back to wrap you up from the backside and twist you around. If we get a play like that with Javante Williams and he bounces right back up, that to me is a good sign, absolutely great sign. Uh, Lawrence Rivera jumping in here. Uh, I like we're still looking for better running backs. Peyton is not satisfied with the running backs, I guess, and. The other day, the Broncos went out and signed a player that has experience with Sean Payton in Dwayne Washington. He played a couple of seasons with uh, Sean Payton down in New Orleans, specifically a special teams player for them. But he has experience with this offense, has experience with the verbiage and stuff like that. And he's a big dude. This is a load to bring down 6'1", 235 pounds. Uh, Eric, what do you think on this running back position? And I know that we just got done talking about Javante, but Samaj P. Ryan. Hit and miss a little bit last week. Jaleel McLaughlin, we'll get into him here a little bit later. But this room, we've had questions about coming into the season. And them adding Dwayne Washington tells me kind of what they think about it. Well, I, qu I question that a little bit because Tyler Beatty's hurt. And he's not expected to play in the game tomorrow. And so you just want that extra running back. You don't, you don't want to overwork your top two guys. And then you don't want to sit there and go through a little over 50% of the game with Tony Jones and Jaleel McLaughlin. So you just bring in an extra guy, somebody who knows it, and then depending on Tyler Beatty's injury, you still have that guy there. Um, so I, I don't know if it's a whole lot of not being satisfied with it, more so than over being an injury, but I do like the fact that they are being cautious and still looking and bringing in that emergency guy. Yeah, absolutely. We got our guy. This is a shout out and a throwback to the past here on this one. Eclipse Stormborn jumping back in. Eric, I, I'm sure you remember this. Uh, happy drivers and Broncos family. Never fickle on the nickel. Big pickle. Eric Trickle. It is. Is it too soon or can PS2 win the defensive player of the year? Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Like I said, man. Shout out Blast from the Past. That's a deep cut right there. That's been a long time since we heard that Super Chat and Eclipse. Thank you. Thank you again. I, I love this. So, Eric, PS2, DPO, uh, DPOTY, what do you think? I think it's entirely possible. Um, corners always have a bit of a uh, tough spot in trying to win it because cornerbacks, the better you are, the less productive you typically are. I mean, unless you're not um, netting a lot of interceptions. But if you're a guy like PS2 where your great play comes from cutting down on completions and limiting the targets, that limits the opportunity. And then you have your, your pass rushes there. You know, awards peoples, they love the sacks, all right? Um, I think it's possible, though. Like, I think this is a defense that's really going to put um, Patrick Tan in a good spot to be successful. And uh, I think that with the corner with the quarterbacks that the Broncos face, a lot of them aren't going to shy away from Patrick, Patrick Sertan. They're still going to challenge him and everything just to keep him yeah. honest a little bit. Um, so I think, I think there's a chance that he can win it. Yeah. I, I think the big thing here, and, and as Scott has so astutely pointed out in our private chat here, uh, going back to defensive backs that have won defensive player of the year. So this is specifically cornerbacks, Stefan Gilmore, 2019, 
Charles Woodson, 2009, Deion Sanders, 1994. That, so that's going back, what, 25 years now or 27 years. Like it's, it's a long time in between about every 10 years or so you see a cornerback win defensive player of the year where five years, Oh, so I, yeah, five years exactly from Stefan Gilmore winning it back in 2019. And Scott, if you could do me a favor on this one, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of homework for me here. But uh, go back to Stefan Gilmore 2019. I believe he had nine interceptions that year. Charles Wilson had 10 in 2009. And Deion Sanders, not only did he have a, a bunch of interceptions that season, he also took, what, four of them back to the house, if I believe. Again, guys, off the top of my head. I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Uh, but, like, you're talking elite cornerback seasons for these guys to come out and win. And like Eric said, you're typically talking about players that have a lot of sacks or a lot of tackles, typically edge defenders, um, interior pass rushers that have big-time sack numbers. Aaron Donald comes to mind. J.J. Watt comes to mind. Uh, guys like Derek Thomas come to mind. Uh you know, uh, Lawrence Taylor as well. Uh, Gilmore had six picks, uh, six picks that year, two pick sixes in 2019. Uh, thank you for that, Scott. We appreciate that. But I know that uh, Charles Wilson in 2009 was one of the greatest cornerback seasons we've ever seen. And going back to 2006, Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey had 10 interceptions that season in 2006. And I believe that he allowed, he had more interceptions and passes than receptions allowed in that season. And when he was a primary man in coverage. And he didn't win defensive player of the year that year. It's impossible. I don't want to say impossible. It's very unlikely, but he has a chance. If he can go out there, if if he can get six, eight, 10 interceptions this year, absolutely. He can be in the, the, the conversation for defensive player of the year. Let's look at Nick Bosa, Mike Garrett, uh, and even Sauce Gardner, who conversation there about the best cornerback in the NFL, right? whether it's Sauce, whether it's PS2, there's a, there's a definite conversation for that to be had, but Again, going back to Eclipse here, it's good to see you, man. It's definitely good to see you. You were one of our bigger supporters a couple of years ago, and it's good to see you back in the chat. Yeah, now uh, I want to go back. Go ahead, quick. go ahead, go ahead. One thing Broncos must work on during preseason game two, um, blocking. <laughs> like, th this is a great test for the starting unit. I mean, we talked mm -hmm. about it a little bit earlier. I mean, no Nick Bosa. But Drake Jackson, he started to come on hot towards the end of last season. Javon Hargrave, he's a good pass rusher in the middle. Eric Armstead. And they've got some good depth there, too. Colin Farrell, I mean, obviously, he never lived up to that fifth overall pick hype. He's still a decent enough edge. You've got Javon Kinlaw in the middle. And Kevin Givens is a pretty decent interior defensive lineman as well. So blocking is such a big thing to see this week. Because if they're not improved, if it's a rough unit this week, we're going to get I fear we're going to get a lot of people shrugging it off because of how strong the 49ers unit is, but we just saw them struggle against a weak Cardinals unit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even if they struggle against the 49ers, like it's still not, I think we're a lot closer to we're we're pulling the glass up on the panic button. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And the, uh, to piggyback just a little bit on that was going back to the, uh, I believe it was the post-game conversation that uh, Sean Payton had following the uh, the Cardinals game. He gave a two and a half minute answer on how his team performed. And nine seconds of that was on the offense. And the big overarching statement was, we have to protect better. That's That's the big thing. This team has to protect better. And this is a big test. It sucks that you're not going to see Mike McGlinchey in the preseason. I think that that would be a, 
I don't want to call it a massive benefit to this offensive line, but it's going to be a benefit, not trotting out Isaiah Prince and a couple of guys I want to talk about here in just a second. But uh, that that's a big thing. Protection and run blocking. Uh, offensive line play is a big thing here. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. Guys, we signed Jack Lander, and my thinking is why hire an, an ace mechanic and not have a, a car? Do we pick up another kicker? Eric, do you get the reference on this? No. Um, but from what I understand, Elliot Fry, he was waived because of the injury. Um, they wanted competition um, at long snapper as well, but they just couldn't make it work. They're taking it work. They're giving them some now because there seemed to be, when I was going back and watching the, the punting and the field goals, the field goal attempts, there seemed to be issues with the snap as well. So trying to improve that a little bit. And what was it Mitchell Fabroni is the, was the long snapper. He's got to get somebody for competition. I am not sure that the kick that they won't or that the kicker that they have is going to be the full time kicker. I fully expect them to pick up another kicker at some point for an additional competition. Yeah. Uh, because while he looked better in practice this week, he was still missing field goals. And yeah. it doesn't matter how good a kicker looks in practice, it's what you do in games. And he, in the last two of the last three games, he has had very serious consistency issues with hitting field goals. Yeah. And, and Sean Payton also brought that up earlier this week, talking about Brett Maher saying, you know, he's competing against, against himself, but also 31 other teams. And there's right now, he actually specifically said there are seven teams that are having ongoing kicker competitions that we're monitoring. Like it, it, this is not Brett Maher's job. And I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I don't think that the day one kicker for this team is on this roster currently. And you've got guys like Robbie Gold out there, uh, Mason Crosby, just to throw a couple of names that people are going to recognize. Um, there's another one that I forget off the top of my head, but it's uh, it, it's not it's not looking good. Like it, Brett Maher with the with the use that he had going late down the stretch last season, missing four extra points. He missed another one in the playoffs. Uh, missed the field goal against the Cardinals. Had another one blocked. Like that's it. It's it's an issue. It, I, I jokingly said last week I missed Brandon, Brandon McManus. I still do. I think that that was kind of a the wrong move. But at the same time, I understand bringing a kicker competition, at least for him. If nothing else, you run out Brandon McManus, try to restructure his contract and, and keep him around. To release him back in June like they did, I thought was a big mistake at that point, and it's showing its face right now. Um, let's see and here. To be clear here, Brandon McManus oh. had his issues – but at least he was more reliable of a kicker than what Denver put on the field last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going back to the offensive line here, um, let's pull this comment from Phil. Thank you, uh, Scott. Let, let's do the offensive line here a little bit because I'd heard a couple of different rumblings coming out, multiple different places um, reporting this, multiple different radio stations in Denver talking about the offensive line and where it currently stands right now. And a guy that Eric, you and I have both had some hit and miss opinions on um, in Quinn Bailey and an undrafted rookie free agent and Alex Polchevsky have seen some time with the second and first string offensive line at right tackle. To me, this is a big development. Quinn Bailey was projected as a, a rotational guard player, potentially as a swing guard for this team. And to see him lining up on the outside and then Alex Polcheski, who got, who was the second right tackle on the field last week. And I thought he played pretty decently after Isaiah Prince left the field. That's a big development here. And I'm curious to see what this looks like now, Eric, what do you think of them going against this San Francisco defensive line? I mean, you, they're probably not going to see 
Um, Eric Armstead, obviously Nick Bosa is probably not going to play, but they've got some decent players in, uh, on the depth of this edged group for the San Francisco 49ers. What does this tell you going into the game tomorrow? Well, I mean, Isaiah Prince, well, he was the best of the starting unit last week. He still wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And what was so concerning to me is that when they switched out of their first and se- first unit guys to their second string, and then a little bit of the third, he got progressively worse. Um, Alex Pacheski, he was the second right tackle, the only other right tackle to play in the game, and he did well, but it was against certain fourth string guys. So mm-hmm. again, added context, I think that's always so important to figure out what string the guys are going against. I do think he he did well enough to get time against more. Whether he should be thrown in there right away with the starters, I'm not so certain on that. But he should get more. He should get a more amount of time against tougher t- tougher competition and see what he can do. He was the guy who I mean, there was a lot. I did like multiple articles pre-draft involving Alex Pajeski because I was a huge fan of his. Um, I liked what he thought, what he brought. I thought he had a the right mold to be a right tackle in this scheme for the Broncos. And if not, then he can slide into guard if he can be more consistent with his bend. Um, so I, I like hearing that he's getting more of a run in practice. Now I want to see it in game. Um, and then uh, on, to, on top of that is with Quinn Bailey, I always thought he was better at tackle than guard. Even last every year that he's been in Denver. He's always got a lot of run at guard and tackle and always looked a little bit better at tackle. I like seeing him back there. He's a guy I really like his versatility that it can bring. Um, it does suck not to see McGlinchey at all during the preseason because of the injuries going to keep him out. Um, and it's just going to make it so hard for the starting five to gel. But hopefully one of these guys steps up and helps answer this question of what's going to be with the depth at tackle because right now it's very concerning. Yeah, absolutely. We got a, a $5 uh, donation from Lawrence here. I can't really see what's going on with the comments, so I'm not going to bring that up, but thank you for your donation, Lawrence. We definitely appreciate you over on Facebook. Um, yeah, with, with the, like you said, with Isaiah Prince, while he was the best offensive lineman out there on last Friday, it wasn't great. And the, this, this move to see Paul Chesky and Bailey with, with uh, Mike McGlinchey on the sideline right now with that knee sprain, this is a big move for the Broncos. They're really trying, they're putting the, they're putting the onus on uh, Isaiah Prince to say, you were the first one up there and you were okay, but we still want to see better. And hopefully these guys that are showing better against the third and fourth string are actually showing up. uh, And they're going to show a lot better showing uh, hopefully this week against the 49ers. Now sticking on the offensive side of the football, the talk of training camp guys, like there there's been one or two players every single season, maybe three or four that everyone's like screaming and pounding the table for you want to see more from. This is a guy that I really want to see a lot more from because everybody that I've heard talk about this kid, undrafted rookie running back free agent out of Youngstown state. I thought he played really well last week against the Arizona Cardinals, Jaleel McLaughlin. This kid is explosive, man. He's explosive. I really like what I saw about him. Now, Eric, I know this is a guy you wanted to highlight, so I'm going to give you the stage here. What do you expect from uh, Jaleel McLaughlin tomorrow? Well, real quick, I'm going to go back and grab Lawrence's comment here because he's talking about a trick kicker on a tricker, um, a trick artist kicker on YouTube. He's a guy he went, and if I remember right, he got a shot in one of the football leagues. He only got like, he had one, maybe two field goal attempts, both of them under 20. Um, But like the issue with bringing in trick artists, kickers or punters or even quarterbacks, because there's that one quarterback who actually got a chance in the, um, 
got a chance in the NFL. And here's Lawrence coming in saying, talking about Donald De La Haye. He's a Puerto Rican kid. Um, but the issue with bringing in those trick style guys, they don't often know what the NFL game is like. Mm-hmm. That is a huge jump. I mean, I talk about it all the time with college. You've heard me talk about it with Jaleel McLaughlin going from Youngstown State. Now you're going for people who really hardly ever played organized football. Um, the one trick quarterback who went in and he actually got a shot in the NFL completely tanked. Um, there was one a few years ago who oh, was a punter. He came in completely tanked. It's also an issue of coming in and handling the pressure that is on them. You don't quite have that pressure on it. And then one thing too with trick artists, and I can't remember which one. There's a guy on TikTok who's talked about it. He actually had to try out with the Colts this year, if I remember correctly, or last year. Is the issue part of the issue is is they try those kicks that they make time and time and time again until they make it, and then you see the one they made. Mm-hmm. You don't yep. see the 50 tries they had where they missed. So, so that is my issue with bringing in any kind of trick artist person for any sport at any position. So I, I guess my my question for you on the trick punter you were talking about, was that Marquette King? No. <laughs> That's a shot at Marquette King, by the way. He's catching strays here on a Friday night. But uh, anyways <laughs> – Sorry, I had to Anyways, do it. You said you said back. a trick kicker. Going going back to it here, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin. I want your thoughts on him. So, well, I thought Tyler Beatty had a good game. I stand by my comment that in the Arizona Cardinals, Jaleel McLaughlin should be the at least the fourth running back. Now the third running back with Tyler Beatty out with an injury. I think that this is a game where his speed and quickness can work to his advantage against a tough 49ers defense, especially if Fred Warner is held out and especially if Drake Greenlaw is not playing due to injury because those some of those other linebackers, they're quick and everything, but sometimes their reads are a little off. If the blocking can hold up and keep the defensive line, keep, keep him clean to the defensive line, I think his speed and quickness can really stand out, and I think it would go a long, long way to getting him to be that third running back on this roster. For me, it's still Tyler Beatty as long as he's healthy. Granted, depending on that. But I think this game could really can bring Jaleel McLaughlin up there and put him in that conversation for that third running back. You're absolutely correct on this. And I'm going to offer a comment here. And it's it's kind of based a little bit on what we saw with this 49ers defense last season with Demeco Ryans, who's Obviously not there now. He's the head coach in uh, with Houston with the Texans. Um, they they really like their linebackers to get vertical in the running game, and if you can figure out a way for mixed misdirection with that kind of speed, this could be a big game. Am I off base with that, Eric? No, no, because Steve Wilkes is he's the defensive coordinator there right now. Yes, I believe so. Yes, um, and he liked to get his yeah, linebackers because, vertical too. Yeah, like he's he's the same he's the same type. I couldn't remember if it was him or. Flores, but I remember Flores is in Minnesota. Yep. Yeah, he's another guy. He's he's aggressive with his linebackers, especially against the run. Get upfield, have your defensive lineman eat up that space in the blocker so they can try to shoot the gaps and get to the running back. Yep. So it's on those offensive line to eat up that eat up that eat up those blocks and make sure that they're not getting caught in an unwanted double team. Because mm-hmm. that's something that Steve Wilkes likes to do is get his defensive lineman into a matchup where they're pulling two offensive linemen to them. Um, so you want to keep them clean, keep the running ba- or keep the linebackers out of there. So Jalen McLaughlin can use his speed, his quickness, and pickup yards um, beyond the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and I- I'm gonna piss you off on this one, but you know what? 
when you got an aggressive defense like this that likes to bring the linebackers and fill those run gaps, this is a great scheme to go against if you want to run screen plays. Screen plays, especially if you and I know I can see your eyes rolling already, but hear me out on this. If you want to work on something like this, especially with a guy like Leo McLaughlin, who has the receiving ability and that burst after the catch, if you're looking to bait a team into we're going to run run action and then just a little slip screen over the top, get everybody, uh, get everybody beyond the line of scrimmage, slip the running back over the top, dump off pass. Maybe don't even call it a screenplay, just a little slip out or like a little Texas route, something like that. Get Jaleel McLaughlin the football over the middle of the field. Is that something we could see this week? Putting my hate of screenplays aside because of how incredibly ineffective they are, um, Sean Payton wants it to be part of his offense, always has. Um, and in the most in the year he was most successful with screenplays, it was only like 10% of his screenplays were successful, just to be clear. And after what we saw against the Cardinals, they got to get better with the screenplays. Oh, absolutely. Significantly better if it's going to be part of the offense. Um, But yes, I mean, when you have an aggressive defense, if you can catch them, like if you can catch them against a cover zero, do a screenplay. Like Mm -hmm. as long as your quarterback can get it out quickly, find the proper angle to get it out. If you're setting up the proper angles with how you're having your, um, your, your linemen throw their blocks and then get out in front. There are things you can do to help it out and everything. This would be a good game to start testing it out and try to get the ball in the running back's hands against aggressive defenses. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm with you 100%. And I think that, like you said, um, and like Scott actually put into the uh, into our private chat here, uh, watching the Broncos, I can see absolutely why someone would hate them. The Broncos suck at running screens, and we watched that last week. We we watched the first-team offense. They set up a screen to Samaj P. Ryan and – it was blown up from the start. Russell Wilson was hit when he was trying to throw it. They turned into a shovel pass. Samaj P. Ryan, if he catches that football and turns around, he's got three offensive linemen against two defensive linemen and a lot of green grass. That was going to go for a long game, maybe even a touchdown, quite honestly. You, you watch that back. If he slips the tackle from the safety crashing down, that's a touchdown, plain and simple. That's why screen plays are so fun to me. I think that they create some definite mismatches. And if you got a guy that's explosive with the football in his hands, like a Jaleel McLaughlin, this is a great place for them to work on that, specifically this week. Now, Eric, um, I got a dog freaking out, apparently. Um, if, uh, if I'm going to let you have the floor here for just a couple, of, uh, a couple of minutes here as I get this all figured out. But I know that you wanted to talk about players that you really expected to shine in this game. If there's anybody that we haven't got on right now uh, that we haven't mentioned specifically tonight, here's your chance to just pound the table, pound your chest and let your analyst hat flow. So one of them is actually going to make you happy because one of the guys that I expect to have a good game is Tyler Lancaster. When I look at the 49ers offensive line, Jake Brendel, he's decent, but one thing he has struggled with is powerful guys. And that's more of Tyler Lancaster's game. I think he could be a um, – I think he could look a lot better. I went back and I watched him, and when I went back and watched him, I know we got into a little bit of a discussion last week on it, but when I went back and watched him Saturday and Sunday when I was breaking down the game and everything, Tyler Lancaster looked even worse than I thought live. Um, so I think this is a game that he can bounce back. And it, I feel bad because Mike Purcell with an injury is being unable to participate is on the verge of losing his spot because Tyler Lancaster is at least doing decent enough in practice, and if he can look decent enough in games, then it's a cost-cutting move right there. Uh, Marcus Haynes is another one, and this is one of the bottom-of-the-depth guys at the edge position. I talked about it earlier. The edge, the 
starting off with the line for the uh, 49ers is great, but when you start getting to their depth, guys, it's a little bit more concerning. Marcus Haynes is so quick and explosive that I think that he can take advantage against some of the guys that they have as their depth blockers on, on the offensive line there in with the 49ers and just make more of a case as to why um, he should be one of the edge guys there on the thing. I still think they keep six, and right now they have four guys, so there's two spots open. Because Baron Browning, I fully expect he'll make the roster, then go on injury reserve so they can designate him to return. So you're going to be filling in that spot someone with someone. Um, he looked better than Thomas and Coombe, who dealt with played a lot, but he was just consistently double teamed. So maybe this is a game where we could see Thomas and Coombe. But, um, and the, I mean, he has a favorable matchup here because a lot of the offensive linemen in San Francisco, they're quicker, not as powerful. Um, so they can match up with Haynes a little bit better. Um, than Thomas Encombe, who's a little bit more of a powerful guy. And then on the offensive side, we didn't get to see him at all. The first the first pick for the Broncos, Marvin Mims. Looking at the depth corners, Deshaun Jamison has the mo the best matchup with Mims against the depth corners of the 49ers. But if you can get him against somebody like Ambry Thomas, I think that Marvin Mims should have a – consistently against Ambry Thomas, Marvin Mims should be in a good position to stand out and really you know make his case – as to why he was that first pick for the Broncos this year and being able to show all he can do as a receiver. And yeah, maybe we absolutely. get to see him as a as a returner as well, which we didn't obviously we didn't get to last week because he didn't play at all. Yeah, I was really disappointed in that to tell you the truth. I really wanted to see what Marvin Mims was was capable of last week. Like he was one of the the players I was most excited about coming into this in, into this training camp. And Go back to our draft coverage, guys. It's been a big thing with me. Marvin Mims brings a particular skill set to this team that they don't particularly have right now in terms of being a quality route runner, the ability to return punts and kicks, and also be a deep threat and also be an intermediate, like tough contested catch guy. I'm not calling him like a, you know, Randy Moss or even Cortland Sutton, nothing like that. For a smaller guy, 5'10", 190, like this dude gets up and he gets the football. He's very physical as a receiver. He's also a dog as a blocker. Like he brings something else this Broncos team doesn't have. I'm excited to watch him. But I think the one player that I'm most excited to see, because we know Marvin Mims is going to make this roster. That's like a, it's a foregone conclusion. He's the first pick of the Sean Payton era. KJ Hamler is still recovering from that torn pectoral muscle that he had uh, leading up to the leading up no. to free agency. No. He's dealing with his heart injury, his heart condition. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Sorry, I, I, my bad. I, I apologize for that. He, had, that's right. He has uh, pericarditis. That I completely apologize for that. My bad. Regardless, KJ Hamler's not with his team right now. Marvin Mims is. He's going to be making this team, no matter what this is. The player that I'm looking, and I believe it was Peter Middleton that brought this up. Whether it was going to be Kendall Hinton, Montreal Washington, or uh, um, Taylor Grimes making the, the tail end of this roster. Jalen Virgil, like let's let's have a conversation about this guy. Uh, at a, a second year player at Appalachian State was undrafted last season, made the roster, made a couple of big catches last year, including a 64 yard touchdown catch against the Tennessee Titans. Has shown flashes of ability to actually play the receiver position and not just be a track star out on the field. Uh, he had a, a, an end around last week against the Cardinals that went for 25 yards. What is he going to look like? This is a, a, going back to the Marvin Mims, Mims conversation with the speed, the ability to stretch the field vertically. Jalen Virgil's a 10 1, 100 yard meter or 100 meter dash guy. This dude has elite speed. 
this is a very fun matchup for him as well. And I'm hoping to see a lot out of him moving forward because he brings another skill set. He also has some special teams versatility too, in terms of playing as a gunner. So that's a guy that I really am interested in, in taking a look at this uh, in this game against the 49ers. Jasmine comes in with the dollar nine, another $9.99 donation. Thank you, Jasmine. We appreciate you, that. If JW Javante Williams gets hurt in preseason, do you see all CS going for a running back and free agency? I'm afraid we are putting all hope in Javante Williams to be 100%. I do think they'll go out of running back. I don't think it'll be a big name running back. Uh, from what I understand, they were confident giving Samaj P. Ryan the contract they did because they felt he could be the number one guy if Javante Williams wasn't good enough to go. Because at the time they signed him, Javante Williams was still going to be out until like October. Um, so it's still, it's there's still a lot of hope there. And then maybe they'll go in and bring somebody who has experience that is fine being a number two guy um, that you don't have to worry about wanting to wanting a lot of money or wanting a lot more touches and just be the backup to it mm-hmm. and kind of create a like, one-two punch there with, with Pirine or even upgrading the third spot if depending on what happens with Julia McLaughlin or even Tyler Beatty. Um, so I do, I do think that if something bad happens, talk on wood, um, to Javante Williams, that they will just not, just not like a guy like Leonard Fournette or, or something like, or somebody like that. Not a big name. Right. It, the, the only other big name that I can think of, and this was actually kind of, uh, debunked a little bit ago. Uh, I know that the, according to, uh, Benjamin Albright, the Broncos did have a lot of interest in Kareem Hunt. In fact, he said that they had Kareem Hunt's agent on speed dial based on what Javante Williams had shown coming into training camp. And then they decided to move off of that because Javante actually looked well enough to be ready to go. So Kareem Hunt potentially – so the way that Benjamin Albright phrased it on his radio show, A50KOA, was uh, that the Broncos are, quote, out of the hunt. He didn't actually say – his name, but that's close enough to tell you exactly what's going on there. I'm with Eric here. I think a, another lower level guy, you know, Samaj P. Run, they paid a lot of money to uh, Jaleel McLaughlin showing out. Hopefully, Tyler Beatty can come back. Hopefully, Javante just shows out to be the guy that they thought they were going to get coming into preseason. He doesn't get hurt and turns into the player that we knew him back in 2021. Because if that's the case, this Broncos offense is going to be very, very good moving forward with a quality running game. Uh, Eric, I'm going to. Pass it off to you really fast. Any last thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah. There's a couple questions, a couple comments here I want to grab real quick. The first one is from August Bronte. First of all, don't recognize your name, so thank you for joining us. Um, you. If you joined us before, apologize that I don't recognize your name. We see a lot of different names uh, in chat, and I can't remember every single one. But he says, I wonder why Albert O disappears on Hackett and Peyton's radar, but lit it up the last two games. Well, as Scott said in the in the chat he had three catches for 45 yards over the last two games all three of those came against the kansas city chiefs in week 17 but the biggest reason why is last season he played 190 snaps 37 of them came as a blocker blocking that's that's why Mm -hmm. um both hackett and peyton put a lot of value on your tight ends being able to block unless you can really kick it up a notch as a receiver in the passing game which is what helped greg dolcich a lot last year then you, you got to be able to block. And Alberto just wasn't able to kick it up a notch, wasn't able to block. So that's kind of why he's in the doghouse and seemingly on his way out in Denver. And then the last one, talking about Brandon Johnson in the wide receiver position, Todd Ostendorf coming in. I thought Brandon Johnson was getting hype about making the final 53. You think Virgil could get the nod over Johnson? Um, a lot can happen. Brandon Johnson is currently dealing with an injury. 
he is still the one that everybody I've talked to is expecting to basically be the Tim Patrick replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, he got the first shot at it, and he hasn't really relinquished that, um, even with him missing the last few practices because of the injury. Um, so Brandon Johnson, there's still a lot of hype about him making the roster and everything. And last year, one thing is that it seemed like there wasn't always the chemistry between Johnson and Wilson. This year, it seems to be a little bit more of a connection there between the two. Yeah. So for, at least in practices. Yeah. It, it, so uh, for clarity here, Brandon Johnson has an ankle injury, and it sounds like he's going to be ready to go for week one. Um, and like Eric said, he was the first guy that was out on the field taking that the, those snaps for Tim Patrick uh, when he went down with his torn Achilles. So uh, that's why we were talking about, you know, it, it, the, the second part of this question. You think Jalen Virgil would get the nod over Brandon Johnson? No. I don't think he'd get it the nod over Brandon Johnson. He'd get it over a guy like Kendall Hinton or a, a guy like Montreal Washington, like Eric just got done saying. Oh. Like that that's and, that's the big thing there. Go ahead, Eric. And real quick, I just looked it up. Brandon Johnson he's expected back sometime next week. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Brandon Johnson's gonna make this roster. Plain and simple, and I think he's going to have a, a pretty big role in this offense. Quite honestly, even as a third receiver, and I, and I know that Eric, you and I have gone back and forth on this. I think the Broncos are going to run a lot of twelve personnel. I do think Adam Troutman, Greg Dulcich are going to see a lot of time on the field. Whether they mix and match those two, whether they get Chris Mann Hurts out there as well, but when they do go three wide receiver sets, it's probably going to be Brandon Johnson. Based on what we saw in training camp, you're going to see some Marvin Mims in there. I hope we get to see some Jalen Virgil in there as well. But Brandon Johnson seems to be the first guy that's going to come onto the field, no matter what. Like that's that's where they were looking at in in training camp, at least. Yeah, I mean, it just depends so much down distance scenario, what defense you're playing or what team you're playing. A lot of changes, a lot of can change with that about what receivers you're getting out there when they're in eleven personnel. I mean, if they're a little bit more on the smaller end with their cornerbacks, then you're probably going to go a little bit bigger. Um, if they're a little bit bigger guys or your their slot corner is not overly quick or anything, you're probably going to get Marvin Mims in the slot a little bit and Judy and Sutton on the outside. So so there's a lot of, a lot of variety they have, and I, that's one thing I like about how this roster is built, tight end position, and even, and even wide receiver. They have a lot of complementary skill sets so that you can really play matchup-based football and find those favorable matchups that you can exploit even with having to pull these guys out. It's why... It's why I think that all three tight ends now, and I have changed my opinion on this. I do think all three tight ends are going to see a pretty close to the same amount of snaps. I think Greg Dulcich, because of what he could do as a weapon, is going to get the most. Then Trotman, then Manhurts being limited as a blocker is going to be there at the at the bottom of it. But they're going to get a lot of snaps because you can just rotate them in. If you're going to live in 12 personnel, well, you can sit here and you can do, if you're. it's an obvious rundown, Man hurts Trotman. If it's kind of iffy, iffy, you can do man hurts and Dulcich or man or, or still man hurts or Trotman, or you can do Trotman and you can just do so much with it. Yep. Same thing with the wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give another big shout out here because Jasmine has come in not only once, but twice with some uh, super chat donations. We appreciate that for sure. But she's also brought a handful of good questions here, including this one here. Uh, she says, if the first team offense scores on the first drive, do you think that Sean Payton will take out the starters or are the snaps really important to him? I This is the big thing that I like, one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to. He said 20 to 22, 25 snaps potentially is what he's going to see from his op, from his first team starters. I'm, I, I guarantee you he's talking specifically to the offensive side of the football here. He wants this offense to gel. If they go out and they, they have an eight-play drive and they score a touchdown on the first drive, they're coming back out. 
If they go yeah. out and they have a three and out, they're coming back out again. They're going to get anywhere from 15 to 20 snaps for sure. More than likely, they're going to hit that first full quarter and then into the second quarter. You're going to see three or four drives from this from this first team offense, guaranteed. These snaps are a big thing for Sean Payton. He wants this team to be out there and gelling and getting this game time experience. And that's a big thing that he said when he was talking about uh, Nathaniel Hackett in that piece that he had with the Jarrett Bell, I believe is who it was from the USA Today. Yeah. We're doing everything the opposite of what Nathaniel Hackett did last year. He's going to play these guys. You can damn yeah. sure bet your mortgage on it. He's going to play them. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not necessarily the snaps by themselves, but it's all that comes with it. The yeah. experience, the extra time, the other stuff that you hit on. If they go out there and they have a – 10 play um like 10 minute or 10 play eight minute drive and everything they're, they'll still be going back out there it, it doesn't matter like now if they get to have two drives both of them are um be, and the, the combined snaps are about like 18 or so i think then they'll be done i don't think he's gonna yeah. throw them out there for a for a third drive but i'm expecting three or four drives depending on the length of course maybe just only two um, to get them out there, get that extra experience, and get them extra time to gel because the offensive line especially is going to need it, especially mm -hmm. after we, what we saw last year. So many miscommunications between Powers, Bulls, and Cushionberry. Yeah, absolutely. And I said bet your mortgage on it. Please don't do that. I don't advocate for people to do silly things like that, but I, I'm, I'm with Eric on this one. If, if you see back-to-back -back drives, 10 plays for a touchdown, 8 plays for a touchdown, you're probably not going to see him go out there again but you're going to see a very healthy dose of the first team, especially on the offensive side of the football. You're going to see a very, very healthy dose of that. And thank you all for enjoying a healthy dose here of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast on a wonderful Friday evening. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for our guy, Scott Kennedy, behind the scenes running the ones and twos, helping us out, moderate the chat at Scout Kennedy. Also, guys, while you are at it, please make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That is the mother account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, opinion articles, film breakdowns, anything regarding the Broncos, including everything we have here on the Mile High Huddle podcast network. Uh, you're going to find all that at Mile High Huddle. Uh, Facebook supporters, while uh, if, if you're out there, make sure you guys, if you're not doing so, follow uh, facebook.com. Uh, forward slash mile high huddle pod great way to just continue the conversation we all are on there as well and just kind of in enjoy the rest of the community you know twitter facebook we out the those communities let's get everybody together make sure you guys are following everywhere on both sites uh make sure you guys hit the merch tent as well mhh merch.com uh we got dove valley deep diver stuff back up there as well we got um we got hats there's t-shirts face masks coffee cups anything to suit your fancy we've got all that stuff mhhmerch.com make sure you guys if you're financially able to do so please get over there it's a great way to support the show and if you guys are not financially able to do so in terms of super chats stars donations the merch tent anything like that the greatest way you guys can support the show is first and foremost subscribe to mile high huddle across all your various social media platforms across all of your uh, podcast platforms whether it's uh, youtube facebook twitter twitch apple Podcasts, spotify subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It helps us out a lot. Like every video and article you guys see. And if you love it, please share it and get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible. Because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, we got our guy, Dylan Von Ars here. Eric, go ahead, take it away. 
So it's a great conversation as always, everyone. Make sure you share the pod on all platforms and hit that like button on the way out. A little bit goes a long way. On top of that, not just sharing the button, sharing it, but word of mouth. I can't tell you how much that goes for growing the growing uh, the podcast and everything like that. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Stay safe. Don't drink and drive. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, absolutely. Like Eric said, you all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, we will leave you guys with a go Broncos. Same time, same place next week, guys. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.